Thank you for choosing to listen to another exciting teaching from Revive Church. Please join us at either of our two Sunday morning locations, 9 a.m. at Revive Bitterroot, 3909 Highway 93 in Stevensville, or 10 a.m. at 2811 Latimer in Missoula. We also have a 6 p.m. evening service at 130 East Broadway in downtown Missoula. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year. With the series we're in, uh, Christianity Around a Table, not just a temple. We've been preaching and looking at various meals that Jesus was at all through the Gospel of Luke. Uh, one, comment, one author said Jesus is either uh, going to a meal, he's at a meal, or he's leaving a meal. He's always feasting. Come on, somebody who loves some appetizers next Sunday. Um, but he... It wasn't the, the food he loved people, and in that culture, to eat with someone meant you were inviting them into a friendship. And so you see Jesus all through the Gospels, even eating with sinners. That's what the Pharisees said. He, Pharisees said he eats with, uh, with sinners. But that, that was our kind of Savior who went and sat down at the table with people and, and communed with them. And on Saturday, back to Saturday, uh, we have a men's breakfast at 9 a.m. Special guest uh, Rufus Ludig will be here from South Africa. He has connections with uh, our regions beyond churches. He owns this really cool uh, business called, and it, uh, I know we're in Missoula and this could go either way, but he owns uh, HuntSouthAfrica.com and takes people hunting uh, in South Africa and he also does missions work, and so it's Montana. We love to hunt. Uh, we like to eat meat, most of us. You may be in the vegan camp. That's cool. Um, not if you're bitter at bison, right? Um, but uh, he's going to be here. He's an amazing man of God. going to be sharing uh, his testimony with us. He has a lot to say about... Uh, his story in God. So that's 9 a.m. here. We're going to have breakfast. After that, we're going to help stage uh, for the Sober Bowl. Uh, I read an interesting book, an older book by Robert Putman called, uh, this is going to be kind of announcements and what's going on in the sermon all kind of weaved into one. We'll get to Luke in a minute. Uh, he wrote a book called Bowling Alone. And it was how uh, community in our country was on the decline. And one of the stats, this is uh, more than 10 years old, but he said this, 33% uh, drop in family meals occurred in 30 years in our country, and 45% drop in having uh, friends over. Um, Joining and participating in, this is the funniest one on the bottom, joining and participating in one group cuts in half your odds of dying next year. I'm not sure how you figured that out, but uh, he's, he like works at Harvard, so we have to believe him. Um, having friends over, down 35%. And so what's happened, we've, uh, it's probably even worse since we've gotten our devices, right, and screen time and... and uh, we have to fight it. We've got iPads and phones and iPods in our home. And uh, the other day I sit down and, you know, it's like the classic family gathering, you know. If your phone dies, what are you going to do? I don't know if you've been somewhere without wireless connectivity. 
Anyone go a little manic about that? Uh, listen, we have to be about people. And so uh, one of the reasons we have our uh, ministry fair and ways for you to sign up is we want to connect as a church. One of the reasons I'm doing this series and looking at the meals of Jesus is we want to go deeper, not just wider. Right? We've been growing as a church. Last, in the last year, we, we started the Bitterroot, and we started downtown, and uh, service downtown, uh, which will be at tonight, I can't wait, uh, 6 p.m., uh, and the Bitterroot at 9 a.m., so we grew wider, but we have to go deeper. We have to get closer. We have to become, we have to be friends. You be friends with one another, right? <laughs> You know, uh, a, few, a few times I've heard this, someone will meet someone new in church and they say, are you new here? Just a quick clue, never, ever, 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 ever ask that question. <laughs> I've been coming here six years. <laughs> you know, someone will always come up to me, if someone came up and asked me if I'm new here, and I've been here for, you know, 12 years, well, Sit in a new spot, you know, move, move over and, you know, actually one thing I love about a church, I've heard this about churches in some in Missoula, people come, they worship, the pastor finishes and people are like gazelles, right, running like Rufus Luddig is after him, he's the hunt, so that, never mind, um, like fleeing from a plague, they're in church and like, boom. You know, the worst time is stand up and meet four people. You're like, oh, no. Or that awkward time where the pastor says, grab hands with the person next to you. You know, it's like, ah. Um, we want to build community. Because God himself, just theologically, is communal. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? And so we want to dig deeper and... Uh, there's basically three ways uh, we do this in the church. The first is gather. We gather to the presence of God together in celebration. You can find a table out there called gather. And that's everything that has to do with our large group gatherings. Maybe you're new to church and a great way to get introduced is serving, usher, ushing, <laughs> greeting, sounding, worshiping, uh, praying, uh, just come and serving, commu communing, being on the communion team, or finding a way to, to connect and make Sunday services great. You could do that in the Bitterroot. You could do that downtown. You could serve there. Uh, the next slide, we grow together through purposeful community with each other. These are Bible studies, community groups, kids, youth ministry, encounter weekend, prayer lift or prayer and care, prayer meetings. It's super, super important to meet. Church just can't be about an event. If we're talking about a table and a meal and fellowship, it's not just one large group gathering where you come on a Sunday. It's about a family. It's not just what happens on the stage. It happens in our city. And uh, you can find a way through our community groups to do that. The, th the third way, we not only gather on Sundays, we grow during the week, but we also go. And we go to, the, to our city, the state, the nation, and the world through service projects, through uh, serving at DeSmet School, through city foods, through uh, Sober Bowl next week, 
right? Uh, through Operation Christmas Child, through City Food Christmas Party. There's so many ways you guys actually shine in this, through the Bitterit, through downtown, through our regions beyond churches. God is on the move in us, and we want to go. What would be the point of gathering and growing if it's just about us? The, the, we exist for everyone else that's out there. And so that's why we do it, right? So we gather, grow, go. You can find information in the table and find a way uh, to plug in. Before I um, write, I'm ready for Luke 7 in a minute. I found this great book uh, called, actually I was talking to our pastor friend in Brazil, John Evans, who uh, he just asked, what are you preaching about? And we were talking about our churches. And I said, well, I'm doing this series called Christianity Around a Table, Not a Temple. And he said, you've got to read a book called A Meal with Jesus. So I downloaded it, and it's, it's, um, been what we, it's what we've been talking about. And I want you to, I'm going to read um, two pages um, or two pictures from my Kindle. Uh, from chapter 2, and it's entitled, Meals Enacted as Community. Uh, And my message title today is, The Hostess with the Mostess. Okay. Imagine you're at a dinner party. The host is a respectable church leader and local councilman who lives in a big house on the posh side of town. Tonight, the dinner party is in honor of visiting the visiting speaker. You're glad to have been invited because there's been a lot of talk about this man. He's been causing something of a stir with his radical views. Some people won't have anything to do with him, but you've got an open mind. It's good to have an opportunity to find out what he's really like. You hear the doorbell, but you think nothing of it until a woman pushes her way into the room You see the despairing face of the host's wife. The new arrival is wearing tight-fitting, low-cut blouse, a skirt that's too short, stiletto shoes. She's painted up to the nines and totters slightly as she walks. She's probably had one drink too many. She looks like the sort of woman that would stand on the street corner. She goes straight to the visiting speaker and throws her arms around him, clasping his head to her bosom. I'll be all yours, you hear a mumble. She begins to massage his shoulders. It's then that you notice she's crying. Her mascara is going down her cheeks. Everyone in the room seems to freeze. What a thing for a respectable person to have to endure. Do I have your attention? You feel for him how this is embarrassing, but instead of pushing her away, he reaches up, puts her arms around her, and he says something to her that sounds like this, and you're mine. But he can't have said that. It's obvious what kind of woman she is. He can surely see that for himself. He ought to show some discernment. She might think it's a come on. Maybe it is. Maybe he's one of her customers. This visiting speaker clearly has big problems. And Luke is telling us about a dinner party like this in Luke 7. Verse 36. One of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him, and he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And behold, a woman of the city who was a sinner, when she leaned, learned that Jesus was reclining 
in the Pharisee's house and brought him an alabaster flask of ointment, or it's perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and wipe them with her hair of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with ointment. Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, Simon, he said, if this man were a prophet, he would know uh, who and what sort of woman this is who's touching him. He's repulsed by the touch. For she is a sinner. And Jesus answering him said, Simon, I have something to say to you. If Jesus ever says that, look out. And he foolishly says, tell me, Lord. Say it, teacher. And a certain, he said, Jesus does this, this short parable. A certain moneylender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. And then when they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. And he said to him, you've judged rightly. Then turning towards the woman, he said, Simon, do you see this woman? I entered the house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears. She wiped them with her hair. She gave me, you gave me no kiss, uh, but for some of the guys would be like, cool. Uh, but from the time I came, she has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she has anointed my feet with ointment. Therefore, I tell you, her sins, uh, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves much. And he said to her, to her, she said, your sins are forgiven. And those who were at the table began to say among themselves, who is this? He even forgives sins. And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is a challenging story. You know, in this, in this setting, if a woman were to let, in the Jewish culture, if a woman were to let her hair down in public, it could be grounds for divorce. This was super, super intimate, what she did. And Jesus doesn't recoil or shy away. And it, notice how quiet we got reading the story. And just to, to think about uh, this, especially in, you know, in our day and age, oh, my hair's down, okay. Um, especially then. This, this is a, uh, there's, there's the hostess and the most, of the hostess with the mostess. And I, I want to get past just the meal and I, I want to see the gospel. As I've looked at the meals of Jesus, every single time, what comes up, what comes bubbling to the top is the gospel. That's the good news of God. That's, that's center table. And uh, this meal shows us true community. And uh, we'll, do it, we'll look at this in three ways. There's uh, two people. There's a short parable. And then Jesus' parting shot. We'll look at how he... Uh, sums it up. So these two people, the, the Bible called her a woman of the city. So she's a, a prostitute. Uh, and it seems odd that she, uh, unlike the story I read from a meal with Jesus, there wasn't a doorbell back then. 
Uh, and there probably wasn't a door like that that she barged into. This is um, a different kind of meal. They're not all seated at a table. This is more of a Greco-Roman symposium where uh, they would sit down, they would recline at a table like a U-shaped table. And I need to paint this picture so we can understand how she came in and she didn't go like crawl under the table to his feet. It's not, they're reclining. What you do, take your sandals off, recline at the table with one elbow, and you would eat and you would discuss. And a lot of these meals were public. There would be, it'd be in a courtyard or an open part of the home, and neighbors would come by and listen to the debate and the discussion. And Simon invited Jesus into one of these. And so this woman obviously heard he's there, and she comes by to anoint his feet. And it, my Bible has a heading called A Sinful Woman Forgiven. And that can be a little misleading because it looks like it's about one person. It's really about two. It's about the woman and it's about Simon. We can't miss that because he is, he's seeking as well. He's a Pharisee, part of the elite class. And in order to have Jesus, I, I believe he was actually interested. Unless it's a trap, he's inviting Jesus to his home because he wants to know more. And there's not many Pharisees uh, or Sadducees that had Jesus over. Are you with me? Remember Nicodemus? How did he do it? Nick at night, right? He invited him at night. He snuck him in because they could be shunned. They could be uh, killed for this. But uh, this guy has him over for a meal, and he, I think he does want to know. He does want to encounter God. He does, what's going on with this Jesus? But they have two totally different approaches. Simon's is intellectual, right? It, it, but it's impersonal. It's intellectual. It's, he came with imperatives. He came to figure him out. He came to debate Jesus. He came, he was watching. Did you hear what he said? If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman this is. So he's already reasoning, thinking he's either not a prophet or maybe he knows her from another way. Maybe he's impure, right? He's trying to figure out uh, Jesus, but he's coming intellectually, not the woman. She comes personally. She comes passionately. She, doesn't, she comes with no preconditions. She lets her hair down. And I'm going to get ahead of myself, but we want a faith where we let our hair down. We don't want a faith without tears. We don't want a faith without passion. We don't want a faith where we, we can't touch God and know God. He's not a God with, who just comes to recited prayers. We want to know him. And so Simon of the religious elite um, is coming in a different way, a different approach. And so there's two different ways that, that we can approach God today. Maybe you've been just looking in on Christianity. Well, maybe it's like one of the other faiths. Or maybe you've been in church a long time and, and you've, you've felt that passion for God. You felt that tenderness and when he's forgiven you and, and something leapt inside of you uh, and, and you want to know God more. Maybe that fire has waned and today you're going, man, I, I just want that passion back. Come on, we got to fight for that. Martin Luther uh, was asked, how do you keep your faith or how do you fan into flame the gift of God? And he said three words, remember your baptism. Think of that. When you were baptized, 
when you came to God and you, you laid it, you put all, you, uh, you're all in, all the cards on the table, and you said, God, everything I have is yours. That was this woman's approach. She took an expensive little jar of perfume. Uh, this, this, uh, it would often be worn around a woman's neck and with a teeny little neck, and they'd break it. And once you broke it, you couldn't use it again. It was costly to her. This kind of worship was extravagant. And she breaks it and puts it on his feet because she has this passion for God. Do you remember when you first came to faith in Christ and you got baptized and, and you shared your testimony? You remember what it's like to be touched by God and you had, man, I'm all in. That's what she's like. Remember, remember your baptism. Remember your first love. This is her encounter, and Jesus reclining at the table, it's likely he's, he's sitting there, and the first thing he notices, his feet. Or you took off your sandals, because it it's like in their culture, it's a shoes-off house. How many have a shoes-off kind of a house? We try, but we have five kids. It's horrible. There's just shoes everywhere in our house. They're off, they're on. They're... Do you know how many pairs of shoes we have? Um, I just thought of that. I should count them. It's, got, it's like it got to be a, a record. Um, this is a shoes-off house and culture, and he feels tears on his feet. I saw this interesting Christian magazine where they interviewed four couples who... Um, They interviewed four couples who didn't believe in God, and they asked them, what do you, what's your view of Christianity? Pretty good idea, actually, isn't it? And one, one person said, the problem I have with Christianity is Christians focus so much on Jesus rather than the message or example he set by focusing on Jesus, it excludes other religions or other people having a relationship with God, and that bothers me. I'm not uh, sure about Jesus or what level he was on, but we should learn from him. I, she said, I separate the message from the messenger. That's a very common view in our, our age, right? I like what he has to say, but I don't want to focus on him, Right? Someone else said, the way I perceive Christianity is not centered on Christ the person, but on God and the path that Christ outlined, how to live. I have trouble with the interpretation, or if you don't worship Christ, you won't get to heaven. That's too exclusionary. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, I think he's talking about my way. If you live the way uh, he showed you as an example, that's how God wants to have a relationship. That's a, a really common view. But in this story, did you notice it's the opposite? It's not about the way and the uh, crossing all the T's and dotting the I's. God wanted to have a personal relationship with, there was touch involved. There was tears involved. He, he didn't mind her being close, and she came in with all kinds of issues. Do you ever come into church with all kinds of issues? Do you ever wake up and you go, man, I've got all this stuff. I don't know if I can get to God. Well, guess what? You're just the one he came for. 
She's not a, the good person in the story. Simon's the religious one. She's the irreligious who's done everything wrong. He's done everything right in his eyes, but she's the one that gets to his feet and weeps. It's two different approaches and two different people. The, the motivation of the world is not to be uh, exclusive, and you separate the personal, and thinking you're doing, I'm just going to follow the message. I don't want a religion like that. I want to come to the person of Christ. I want to know him. Are you with me today? So two different people, and Jesus answers with this beautiful, now the short parable. I want to read it again. Uh, Simon said, say it, teacher. Everyone say, say it. We should, we should start that in church. Just say it. We're too far up north. Say it. Get a little soul. Uh, a certain money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, the other 50. When they could not pay, he canceled the debt of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon said, I suppose the one who canceled the larger debt. You've judged rightly. In this amazing, beautiful parable, this is what Jesus does. He's sharing the gospel. And I want to use a strange illustration. Um, if you were to fall asleep at night, now, all of us, uh, we live and then we die, right? God says you die and then the judgment. So everyone in the room is going to die. Let's say you lay down and fall asleep and peacefully die of a heart attack in the night. Don't mean to bring any fear. But, right, that'd be okay. Or let's say you're a skydiver and you jump out of the plane and you go to pull the ripcord and it doesn't open and you die. One, you're dead, and the other, you're ugly dead. <laughs> right? It wouldn't be pretty, right? You could die in an ugly way. What's the point? They're both dead. It doesn't matter. Dead is dead. But there's two debtors. Both owe the creditor something, but they're both in debt. If they could not pay, he could come and collect. That's the point of the gospel. And that's the point of Jesus isn't just a good message. We need to know the messenger because if you don't know the messenger, we're all dead. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if you don't have him in the center of your life, it doesn't matter. There's a debt. Well, I'm a good person. No, we've all sinned and fallen short. We all have a debt that we owe. Right? And that's the beautiful thing about the gospel. He could come and he could collect and hold it over their head. And he's saying, Simon, he's in three little sentences, he's, Jesus is amazing. He said, one person owed a lot and had great big sins, ugly dead. But one of you, Simon, owes a little bit. You've been pretty good, but guess what? You're both dead. Are you? That's why we need the gospel. And right in the center of this meal, Jesus brings it all home and, uh, with this woman worshiping him, and he says, there's a debt to be paid, but Jesus, our creditor, didn't come to collect the debt. He came to pay the debt. It says, what if he paid both? Who would love him more? Guys, that's why we worship here. Maybe you're new to faith and you see someone raising their hands. You think, that's different. Are they stretching? 
No, they're worshiping. Maybe they're crying. Maybe they're being broken open in a service and they're, they're coming to the master's feet and the master's table and they're saying, wow, God, you have forgiven me so much. It's, a, it's an amazing parable what he, what he does here. But Simon doesn't see the cost nor the need because he's coming intellectually. I've, I've used this before, but how do you determine the value of something? What, what, what someone will pay for it. Do you know what your house is worth? What someone will pay for it. It's a, too much in Missoula, frankly. Bozeman's even worse. Um, something's worth what someone will pay for it. My son this morning, um, I gave him... I had this great big basketball card collection. And um, they were actually worth a lot more. The prices just... Any card owners out there, I'm sorry. The value... They're worth what someone will pay for them. He was going through them this morning. Dad, look, I found your... I have this Larry Bird rookie card. Worth more than the Jordan. Um... But, you know, it was actually worth more than when, when I was in high school. The value, it's worth what someone will pay, pay for it, right? You're, everything is worth what someone will pay for it. Second way, you know, is uh, who it belongs to. Like, some, if, uh, for example, if I went to sell my Bible, like, well, it's Josh's Bible, that's kind of cool, I'd like it, I'd give you 20 bucks for it. I, I don't know. Elvis Presley's Bible, you know what that sold for? $94,000. Because who it belonged to, right? Uh, John Lennon had an extracted tooth. His housekeeper, like, nicked it. British word. <laughs> sold it. $31,000. <000. laughs> Imagine all the people living all the <laughs> Voice cracked. Uh, I don't want to lose you here. Um, this woman doesn't miss the value. She sees who she belongs to. And what if we knew what he paid? Do you know what you're worth? Do you know what your value is? Your value is based on what someone would pay for you. And look what God did on the cross, laying down his own life with his blood, with nails in his hand. That's the value. That's the, I, I believe that's why she came, and she's, she doesn't have a tearless faith. She comes and, and encounters the one that she belongs to and the one who paid his life for her. If you're here today and you feel little or no value, you need to meet the Savior that paid, paid for you in his blood. So two people, the short parable now, Jesus' parting shot that he gets across at this meal. Um, he says, he turns to Simon, do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. 
she will, she's wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but from the time I came in, she ceased not to kiss my feet. You didn't anoint my head with oil. What is Jesus doing? Uh, Simon's supposed to be the host. He's supposed to be the one coming in, and they're, they're more touchy in that culture. Well, maybe we are, especially if we're greeted by Mike Dean as he come, if you come in. Um, <laughs> love it. Uh, love, how, how many love our greeters here? They're friendly. Come on. Um, I remember going to uh, Mexico. Uh, I think, where's Kayla? I think she was on that trip. Kayla? Oh, sorry, not Kay, but Kayla. Oh, Kay, over there somewhere. Um, I saw her this morning, but we took a group of adults and teens to Mexico, like 30 of us on a plane. It was the best trip ever. Uh, and so I was in charge of the youth team. David Larson was in, in charge of the adult team, and we worked together in Guadalajara, and then we went to different places. Uh, we went up into the mountains. Uh, they're way more affectionate in Mexico, and I don't know how else to paint this picture, but like three-quarters of our teenage team were all girls. Most were blonde hair, uh, which stands out in Mexico. Uh, they have a tendency to, uh, here we'd call it sexist, and but they Oh, I don't know. They, they yell and they, they, they're vocal. They appreciate beauty. Uh, but also, they kiss when they greet you. Not the, really the dudes with the dudes, but um, guy with a girl and a girl for a guy. Like, you come up and meet someone, you give them a kiss on their cheek. And so, it was so funny. We went to this church in Guadalajara, and uh, here's all of our poor, bashful 16-year-olds coming in and like all these Mexican boys waiting to get a kiss on the cheek. Hola. Yeah, hola, I bet. I'm kind of like, what are you? Come on. Kissing all the girls. Um, but it, it was culture, right? It's, um, they're affectionate. It's how they are. And he, he looks at Simon and he says, do you see this woman? What Jesus is basically saying is she became my host. She started to host me. You sat there trying to correct me or judge me or look at me, but she's the one who's taking care of me. What a faith. And he goes on to say, uh, and so Simon actually gets exactly what he wanted. He got a lecture. Right? He got, okay, Simon, let me give you a parable. Da-da-da-da-da. And Jesus turns from him because he doesn't get it. But with this woman, he turns to her. And you know what she gets? She gets a new way to love. She gets a new way to encounter God. She gets to come without being judged. She gets to come without uh, conditions. And Jesus said, because she loved much, she's forgiven much. And it's not, it's not this. If you, if you don't keep reading, you'll think, well, she loved God, and so she earned right? The love of him. No, it's because she knew, and this is so key. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Uh, she could love much because she was forgiven much. And the level of your faith, the depth of your faith and the depth of our church and the foundation we build will be based on how much we know we've been forgiven. 
Imagine a worship service where people come in and know they're forgiven the depth. Do you know what God did for me? Man, we'd be, we would be a little extravagant. We would be a little out there. We would be a little crazy because, man, I've been forgiven so much. And the power of our ministry will be based on believers that go out knowing how much they're forgiven. Side note, um, this is a passionate story. And I think back in the day in Christianity, and even now, if we're religious, we could have a tendency not to be touchy. We could actually have a tendency not to be uh, sexual. Think about it. We, they had to be horrified. And there's priests that have gotten into trouble. Think about this. Remember what Paul said? Uh, it's better for a man not to, be, not to marry. He can do ministry, right? All you married guys said, that's not for me. This is going somewhere, don't worry. Um, but he said, if you, if you burn with passion, right, get married. Single people, find a spouse. Bible says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing, right? That's not caveman style, bonk him on the head, grab him by the hair, and drag him home. You know, you're not out hunting, you know, like in the South African Serengeti with binos, I'm going to find me a wife. Take her to my cabin in Montana, right? It's not that. That word find means to pleasantly come across, I told someone this, as you're pursuing God and going after God and you're, you're running after God and you look over and there's someone running just as fast as you, hey, that might be the one. Marry them, right? People have gotten in trouble because they don't get married because it's almost religious. I'm going to be religious and push down my physicality, almost like sexuality is against religion, spirituality, but it's not. Sexuality comes alive in the proper way when you have spirituality grounded on Christ. And here's this woman who found love in all the wrong places, and her acceptance and her money was based on what she could provide to men who only wanted one thing. But she now found a man who didn't want that and just wanted her. Do you see that? And so I think we can get weird and religious and kind of stuff down our feelings. Well, I'm, I'm just serving God and I'm not physical. No, our, phys our physicality, we're physical creatures that need love, that need relationship. And so she comes and finds someone that just loves her. And Jesus is that way to you. It's why he could sit at the table and Simon's over there judging him. And, and this woman comes, and what does he tell her? Your sins are forgiven. Courtney, you and the team can come. Um, and he says these words. You can't miss this last part. He tells her, uh, I wish we knew her name. But he tells the woman, go in peace, right? Did you catch that part? Not just peace, but go in peace. The Greek language actually means go. It'd be confusing if they wrote it out. We wouldn't get it just reading it. But it literally means go into peace. 
Think about that. Go into, not just go in peace. For, it's not like Jesus isn't going, bon voyage, right? Go in peace, my daughter. He's saying go into peace. Come into the peace that's found in me that you can live in, and it lives in you. I want that kind of peace. I don't want a God that's far away and hard to grasp or hard to touch or hard to be near or is mad at me. I want a God that, that I can come and grab onto and cry with and pray to and love. I, I want that peace in me, and I want to take it to the world. And if we got that, guys, Christianity would be about a table, not just a temple. It'd be like a feast. I want to finish reading this great uh, hymn. Uh, it was written by Francis Havigard, February 4th, 1874. Uh, it says this, Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in endless praise. Take my hands, let them move in the impulse of, at the impulse of thy love. Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Take my voice and let me sing always only for the king. Take my lips and let them be filled with messages from thee. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Take my intellect and my use, every power as you would choose. Take my will and make it thine. It shall no longer be mine. Take my heart, it is thine own. It shall be thy royal throne. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. Listen to this, at thy feet, its treasure store. Take myself and I will be ever only all for thee. Take my love and I will pour at your feet it's treasure store. I heard an amazing story. One of our members in the bitter at Russ Egan, he's a woodworker and amazing carpenter. Uh, he was in his wood shop the other day praying and God use me and just pouring himself out. And he, he literally heard, felt he heard God say, invite over, uh, make up names, but Bill and Susie so-and-so to dinner, to a meal. He said, God, I don't even know them. He like knew them through someone else. He knew of them. And he said, I'm not going to call someone and say, hey, come over. I don't know them. And God said, no, invite them over for dinner. So he called a friend who got a number from a friend and called him up. Hi, I'm Russ Hagen. I own Creative Carpentry. We'd like to have you over for a meal. Okay. <laughs> Weirdo. Um, stalker. Uh, been on my Facebook page. Um, the guy said, okay, yeah, we'll come. Russ had no idea why. Well, but after the meal, uh, they're talking, and he looks over, and Russ's wife, Christine, is sitting with the wife. She's nearly in tears. They sat for two hours, and he said, you wouldn't believe what's been going on with my wife. And I know I don't know you, and I don't know why you had me come. And he said, well, I felt God told me to invite you. And this woman just poured herself out over a meal. Guys, I want us to go here today. How can we apply this? Um, if you don't know God, come to the Savior. Come to the one that paid the debt because you're valuable to him.
if you've turned from God and you've lost your fire, come back. Pour out your heart. Remember, the, remember your baptism, right? For the rest of us, maybe you're on fire. Have someone over. Share a meal. Sit down. You be Christ to them. Be the hostess with the mostess. And we can touch our city. Amen. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of your lives. May God richly bless you in the upcoming year.